Thank you for showing up in the place where we come together and sit in circle and share the stories that inspire us. Get ready to enjoy this next powerful journey outdoors in nature. Welcome back, joiners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we have another episode where we kind of talk about the things that go on behind the scenes as far as adventures go. So, you know, I started this platform for people to share powerful journeys that they'd had outdoors in nature so we could be inspired by them and encouraged and learn from them. And I've been having fun kind of talking about the conversations you have in between journeys. What did you learn? Where do you want to go next? And my name is Tegan, the host of this podcast, if you haven't uh, heard me before or met me in person. And I've been having fun doing these podcasts with Gemma, who's a recent, I mean, a frequent (laughs) participant in the Pajoin podcast is what we've been calling it. Powerful Journeys Outdoors in Nature, Pajoin. Yeah, I think Jordan, thank Jordan for that. Yeah. She kind of came up with it. If you can listen to her podcast, which uh, actually I think is going up very soon. So hi, Gemma. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me again, Tegan. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. We've just been... Long time s- listener. <laughs> <laughs> Not first time caller. Not first time caller. We've just been slurping on our coffee, trying to get in the zone. And we were thinking about something that we wanted to discuss, to discuss today. And that was, we call it the Red Vest we just call it the red, the vest, red vest. So it's something that now amongst our friends, we're just like, oh, the red vest. It's kind of like become quite iconic. And I would love for you to tell the story, Gemma. Well, the story goes dun, dun, that dun. there was a uh, micro adventure, I'd say you call it, that uh, we were going on. And it was probably Tegan's earlier days her earlier introductions into the outdoor world. Would that be fair? Yeah, it was like one of the first ones. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were going exploring down in Uruguay National Park, for those of you playing at home. Why don't you say Uruguay? Uruguay. You know, Uruguay. Yeah, I don't know. So Uruguay. Well, I think lots of people pronounce it really differently. Uruguay. Uruguay. It's on like the northern New South Wales coast. Near Yamba. Yeah, beautiful stretch of coastline. Super lovely. Um, And so we were going exploring down there. We were doing a hike along the beach and then we were camping at a beachside campsite. Mm -hmm. And what happened? We got there. We'd hiked during the day. Mm -hmm. And then we got there to our campsite at night time and Tegan gets out her clothes for the night and and puts on this red vest. (laughs) And I mean, I, I think I'd gotten it from an op shop. Op shop, I reckon. And I mean, it was nothing but cotton. And well, I'm or maybe sure that it was like from polyester. Millers. Yes, no, it was definitely from It was Miller's. just like a Miller's vest. Vest. Yeah. Like, she definitely went for the fashionable, not functional yeah. style for this. What trip. time of year was this? However, let's be honest, Laura was wearing thermals, but she was just looking like a blue Smurf because all of her thermals were blue. Yeah. So it's not like anyone was really looking fashionable, let's be honest. <laughs> um, what time of year was it? I think it was... I want to say like autumn. Because it was yeah. cold. It was cold, but it wasn't like... Freezing? But below 10 at night time. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon you're right. Yeah, because it was a cold evening, like yeah. sleeping. Yeah. So that sort of began 
some discussions with Tegan about preparing for outdoor adventures, really. Well, I think I went in there being like, okay, well, it's going to be cold, so I need to get more equipment. And mm. I mean, and this is very early on in my days. Like, before I'd met you guys, I hadn't really been camping or done any of that stuff. So, I mean, I didn't mm. have anything, but I guess the red vest was the beginning of what I had shown <laughs> was the rest of my equipment. Like, right. I bought a sleeping bag, but I mean, I just got it out of the cupboard. Like, you get a sleeping yeah. bag that you usually take, you know, when you have sleepovers with friends, you have a sleeping bag, right? And so that's what I brought camping. And I remember, I think we had a tent. You and I were in a tent, and I think Laura was in a hammock. And, mm. I mean, hammocks are, I mean, are great in summer because they allow the breeze to go underneath them, but in winter they can be, all those cooler seasons, yeah. it can be quite cold. And I'm pretty sure that Laura pretty much gave me all of her warm stuff. Yeah. Because I had this weird, ve- I mean, I was wearing nothing but cotton, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but I had, like, long pants on and stuff. Yeah. And then I had this sleeping bag that was... a Upon reflection, now I know the terminology was probably like a a twenty plus sleeping bag. synthetic, thing. like yeah. just something you would have got from Kfart. Yeah, and then I don't think I had a sleeping mat. Maybe I had one of extra that you guys have had or something. Yeah, yeah, I think probably Laura brought that for you. Yep, and then of course, as Laura tends to do, she'll just give away all her stuff so you're nice and warm. <laughs> so yeah. I remember us being in the tent, and it was getting really cold. Um, and then I had a bit of warmer stuff, but then I think that maybe when we had switched, like she, maybe she'd got my gear. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I remember she got too cold and she had to come and join us in the tent because she had given away all of her warm stuff to a person, like a newbie in the camping realm. And I mean, I was very lucky, like nobody froze to death. I mean, I don't know how much sleep was kind of had by everyone. But then it became this joke of like the red vest. Better pack your red vest. You better put your red vest in. (laughs) And I guess it to me it just symbolizes how you know at the beginning of that journey, like I I didn't I didn't know I didn't know that cotton was something that you know it gets wet and doesn't help. Like I don't know what thermals are. I didn't know Mm. why polyester was better. Like I didn't know that sleeping bags had different ratings. Mm. Like. You know, I guess I get so used to now being in this kind of environment where I guess I can speak the lingo mm. more so, but, like, I really had no, no idea. idea. Yeah. And that's what I think is that people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. So I often find, like, when I go and do presentations at schools to parents, yeah, um, there's a lot of questions that I get asked that you have to have compassion for, I guess. The fact that, yeah, if you haven't ever done this stuff before, then you think that what you have is going to be fine. And it's not until you experience the mm. the misadventure of not having the right right gear mm. that you really realise why, why it's important to spend the money. Because mm. I think that's what comes up a lot is that people don't want to spend the money. They go, oh, I've got this spray jacket. It'll be fine. Mm. And it's not till you get like soaking wet or you've been hiking for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And the gear is no longer working anymore, or your sleeping bag is no longer keeping you warm at night. That you go, oh, it actually really is worth spending the money on mm. the good stuff. Mm. Yeah, but it's a natural part of the learning process, totally as well. Like it doesn't deserve to it's be experiential shamed or learning at its finest. <laughs> Absolutely, and because you literally embody the side effects, you yeah. know, like does it really matter if you buy savings brand stuff when you're at the food? shop like not really yeah. does it matter if you don't have warm clothes when you're going to sleep in the middle of autumn kind of like <laughs> yeah you're gonna notice the difference that's and right. that that's that's 
because I guess the fun thing I like about camping as well is it takes you back to basics. Mm. So you're literally sleeping on the ground with what you have. Like you don't have a house to walk into and you turn on the lights and put the heater mm. on. So you're very much so in touch with the elements, which is so beautiful. But because that is the case as well, you want to make sure that you feel prepared and that you know and trust and enjoy the trust the gear that you have. Yeah, because you're going to be very connected to what you're, what the weather is doing. Mm. You're definitely experiencing that. Yeah. And I mean, I still do that these days. Like sometimes it's even from like nonchalance. Like Mm. I'll just like pack something in and not really give it two thoughts. But I really like now I feel like, and I feel like a lot of people, like outdoorsy people have this thing where it's like you have a set gear Mm. that you feel really confident in and that you know. So like I love my sleeping mat now. It's kind of like one, I don't know what you call it. It's like a, it reminds me of an egg carton. Like an yeah. egg carton, it's a blow up thing, you know, and I know that my body responds really well to it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'll have a tent that I quite like and, or even I know it intimately now. So I know when it rains too much, where it's going to puddle. Or, <laughs> and then with my sleeping bags, I now have like a summer sleeping bag and a winter sleeping bag mm. where, you know, that seemed excessive before. Like it made no sense to me, uh, but now I really understand it and I embrace it. Um, so it's like we talked in the other podcast that we were talking about that idea of like you don't need to let not having gear limit you Mm. like you can always borrow it and have that experience but and go out there in the red vest because I definitely learned it and experienced it and now I know better Um, I think that that's like if you look back over time and what people used to wear when they went adventuring mm. so as an example um you know the plane crash, the Stinson wreck that happened in, in O'Reilly's. Is it Springbrook National Park? Lamington National Park. Lamington, yes, yep. similar area. Um, and the guy that went out, what was his name? Someone O'Reilly, Bernard O'Reilly. That's his name. So he went out to try and find this plane wreck, and he took Hessian sacks. So he like mm. filled one Hessian sack full of potatoes and put that over his shoulders, and then like had another Hessian sack and wore that as a coat to keep him warm, like. He survived. This is a great story. Tell the story from the beginning because it is a great oh, story. Oh, so basically um, the short version I'd say is that there was a plane that was flying, I want to say between Brisbane and Sydney. Yeah, I think It was so. like right in the early days when planes were just starting to fly, um, like commercially, sorry, mm-hmm. not like the Wright brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... Yeah, so um, for those of you who haven't been to O'Reilly's in Lamington National Park, it's really remote to try and get up there. There's like one road that goes up there. But back in the time when this plane crashed, it was... Densy, rainforesty, bushy kind of area. Yeah, there was yeah limited access to get to the O'Reilly's area. Um, And so the paper was only delivered, you know, every now and then. And Bernard O'Reilly was living on the property and the paper came and he saw that there'd been this plane crash and he thought, hey, I reckon I know where, that'd, where that's where crashed. Where the flight path goes. Yeah. yeah, because he saw part of the rainforest that looked like it was more burnt out. Mm. Um, so that was his theory that that's where the plane was. So he was like, well, no one else has been able to find them. I'm going to go yeah. and try and find them. And so he... Yeah, got his Hessian sacks and off he went. So there was, I think it was 10 people on the plane and only three or four survivors. Um, And so Bernard, yeah, went off lots of bush bashing to try and find them. And he actually ended up finding them. 
And um, there's only two of them. Yeah, there was two of them left at that stage. Okay. Um, yeah, and managed to get them out to safety. How far did he hike in, though? Was it like a couple well, of hours or a couple of days? A couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Days. Yeah, I feel like it was like a big it was mish. Hectic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then it wasn't even like, oh, I found you, that's it. Like, they still had to get out. Do you think he had a red vest on? Well, no, he had a Hessian sack <laughs> yeah, on. Hessian sack. And that's what I think. Like, Where now where you're like, like, where's your quick dry bag? Exactly. <laughs> or if you look at, like, the old army packs, mm. like how they've got those metal, well, it's not just army ones, but, like, the metal frames. Yeah. And that's what they used. And now we have all these ergonomically designed mm. packs for us. And same with, like, the, you know, if you sleep under a bivy, like a plastic sheet, rather yeah. than actually in a tent. Like, there's so many ways that you can have your adventure outdoors but i just feel like there's the good better best well it's kind like of learning experience. what yeah. works for you exactly like yeah. what works for you will not work for somebody else like mm. there's a part of me that i felt really embarrassed that i'd had this silly red vest like i thought that genuinely there was a part of me that was like I, you wear a work. <laughs> you wear a vest, don't you? Because it keeps your core warm. Yep. When you're outdoors, like this is me trying, and this was yeah. me showing up. Oh, I still feel a little sad about <laughs> it. Yeah, you know, like, this was me trying, especially with people who were so much more experienced than I was. Yeah. Like this was me actively like this is how you work. play the game, right? Yeah. Look, Look, I'm I outdoorsy. Got my, I got my vest, guys. I got my vest on. Look. But then to kind of learn that they did shit all. <laughs> you know, like but I still. That was me trying and that was me learning. Mm. And I don't, you know, I didn't walk away from that being like, oh, I should never do that again. It was mm. just like, oh, it's, this was a, a opportunity for me to be kind to myself and be like, this is us learning. Like, this is how mm-hmm. I learnt. And now I'll know if I get a vest. I mean, I'm probably, I don't think I've owned a vest since. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this is how, this is how I'll learn. This is, you know, I'll buy a shitty tent one day or I'll, I'll yeah. do different stuff. And this is, there's no right or wrong with that. It's just that you might just be more uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had a red vest moment? I think my... Well, why you think about it? I mean, there was even, for example, like another red vest moment for me that you reminded me of was, so there's great walks all around Australia. And one of the great walks that uh, I had decided to do, I was visiting a friend up on the Sundays, And there is a great walk up there that I think is like 23 or 26 Ks. Yeah, 26. That, sorry. That's the Sundays yeah. one. And I mean, I don't even, they're quite, I mean, they can walk, like, but I wouldn't call them like <laughs> proactive hikers. Like they're not big yeah. campers and... Uh, but for some reason, we were just like, let's go do it in a day. <laughs> I mean, I think you could do it over three days. I think it had camping spots for two nights. Mm. And we were just like, nah, let's just go hike it in a day. I mean, I don't know how we'd done like the mathematics of being like, okay, well, I usually walk 1K in this amount of time, so it'll be this many. So is it 26 total or 26 one way? Uh, it was, it's only one way. It wasn't a loop. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So you did it one way. So we like car, sh- did a car shuttle at the beginning Yeah. and then we'd walked it. But I mean, I think I took like a muesli bar and half a sandwich and one bottle of water Yeah. and that was just carrying it in my hand, setting off to walk 26 Ks. And I mean, by the end of it, I wanted to, oh my gosh, there were so many hills like up and down and up and down <laughs> and up and down. And I, there were some creeks. Um, I think we found a water tank halfway through. Oh. But, you know, at the end of it, I mean, we made it work and we got there before the sun went down. <laughs> but 
I definitely towards the end it wasn't an enjoyable experience and yeah. now I look back and I'm like how would I do that differently now like if I was walking 26 k's in a day yeah I'd be like hey this is going to be a big day big day and I'd probably take a backpack even yeah. but I mean we didn't have any first aid kits we didn't have any kind of overnight stuff we had no emergency things maybe <laughs> we might have had a phone yeah so it's like in one way I'm just like wow I was like really unprepared mm. and I didn't make it an environment for me to really thrive that I had a lot of like energy for as far as food goes that mm. I had enough water that I had extra sun protection like but at the same time I'm like we made it work yeah and exactly. we did it yeah. and I walked 26 k's in one day yeah uh I mean I'm definitely not drawn to do it again in that way but it, it's that <laughs> that double-edged sword of like mm. it, I kind of learned that that was possible. So I stretched, I guess, a limiting belief of how much I could do in one mm-hmm. day. So I learned that about myself. But at the same time, it was like, I mean, if my child had done it, I kind of would have wanted them to take a couple of extra things. So yeah. it's that learning curve. Yeah. Do you remember exactly. one of yours? Remus? I was just thinking about how that when I learned that if your sleeping bag is up against the side of your tent, it will create oh, a yeah. direct flow for any rain to come in yep and i l- remember learning that in grade eight camp okay because i yeah went to there was must have been four of us in the tent so it was like a pretty tight squeeze and yeah i was on the side so my sleeping bag was directly up against the side of the tent mm-hmm. and it poured raining during the night and i remember waking up being like why is the side of my sleeping bag saturated and then i had to put it all together and work out oh, it's because the rain came straight straight in and because I learnt that, I then, like, going into instructing, that would be, like, oh. one of the key things that I'd tell groups all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty experiential way to learn that. Yeah. But then I was also thinking about another time that um, Kayla from Igloos in Whistler. Yes. That podcast. Another podcast. Um, great one to listen to. Shout out to Kayla there. <laughs> um, Kayla and I, when we were living in Canada, went and climbed this mountain Oh, yes. The one that was out the back of the town of Jasper. Yep. Because we'd been living in the town for a while, and so you'd see this mountain every day as you were walking to work and skating to mm-hmm. work. And, yeah, we eventually, towards the end of the season, decided we would climb it. But we just... I felt like we faffed around a lot in the morning. Like, we went to the cafe and got, mm. like, a burrito and then ate that, and then we got the bikes, and then... On the first section of the ride, we were... How much research had you done into the mountain Yeah, not much. Like, I think we just asked a couple of people in town. Um, Because it seemed to be, like, quite a common one that people climbed. But it was... We didn't really know heaps about it. We knew that you went up the fire trail, and then there was, like, a... That's where you left your bikes. And then there was a rock... Rocky section, and then there was a grassy section, and then there was, like... A big scrambling. Good old mud map, mud map style. Yeah, that's right. You get, keep scrambling until you get to the helicopter pad. But on the fire trail up, we were like stopping and shooting funny videos of ourselves and yeah. just lots of faffing around. So then by the time we'd finished the whole day, it was nine o'clock at night and we were coming down the mountain then. So it's definitely one of those those times where you you could have done it differently it was fine and it worked out and it made for a really great story because yeah. keeps more details and that's a whole podcast in itself <laughs> telling that journey but um yeah it's one of those things that if you saw people going to do that you'd be like are you sure what are you doing what have you got your red vest why are you doing this <laughs> but do you know what i wonder is what? do accountants look at people look at adventurers 
So when I see someone out in the bush and they're wearing their red vest, yeah, and I'm thinking, what are you doing? Yeah. Do you think accountants <laughs> look at us and they when they hear about what I do with my money and they're like, what are you doing? Absolutely. You, you haven't invested in or any stocks. Tax time. Like, why haven't you? Why haven't you claimed everything that you can claim? Yeah, or... absolutely. Yeah, like because I think that it relates to what you know and what like what is your area of expertise. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, another fun story, this is like a little podcast of fun little stories <laughs> of how we fucked up, um, is Gemma and I also, while in Canada, we went, we'd made a new friend and he was showing us around. T- Where were we? We were so in pretty. Sunshine Coast. It was and in- where exactly was it? Do you remember what the town uh, was called? Um, this doesn't make it great. Robinson? Mm, maybe. Robinson? You keep telling the story and I'll work out the Okay, great. Um... Oh, no, I'm thinking of Robinson because I'm thinking of Yana Robinson, which is somebody I like to follow on Instagram, and she went and lived there for a little while. Oh. Anyway, she's like a poet. She's incredible. She's uh, She does things for women who don't give a fuck. Anyways, mm-hmm. but she was in that place. So we had gone along with him, and he was taking us our afternoon to look for mushrooms, uh, chanterelle mushrooms. Chanterelle. Chanterelle was like our joke. <laughs> They're these kind of big corally looking mushrooms that you could eat, not magic mushrooms, just like a, you just put them put in an omelette. Yeah, put it in your pasta <laughs> kind of mushroom and it was the perfect season so we were going into this patch of oh. Seychelles that's where we were Seychelles really yeah okay what is that near it's it's on the Sunshine Coast okay. area oh it was... it's sorry it's like north of Vancouver yep so beautiful and so we set out in the afternoon I thought it was kind of late maybe like two or three in the afternoon yeah but it was summer so we did have light a so bit much. longer yeah and we I don't think I had anything. I feel like you had your backpack and your phone. I had phone. my backpack and I, just at the last minute, I put my phone in yeah. rather than leaving it in the car, but it only had 5% on it. Because it was kind of like we were just going for we a fun little, little adventure. Walk. Just a little walk just down the road. Yeah. So, and I guess we'd put a lot of trust in him because he was the local, the local and knew the area. Yeah. And I don't think we'd take any food, any, maybe a little bit of water. I have this feeling that we had jelly beans. Oh yeah. But maybe not. And maybe a little bit of water. There was some little snack. Yeah. Anyway. But nothing much. So we'd started like walking and following the path into mm. this quite like dense kind of mm. forest area looking for these mushrooms. And you know when you're like looking for something, you kind of go off track and, you know, one thing leads to another. And, and we'd gotten at the end. We must have been for Well, there was also a side track that someone knew had built. And yeah. he was like, oh, here's a new mountain bike track. Let's just like follow, follow down here. Yeah. I want to check that out. And by the time we'd kind of cut into the forest, it was getting quite dark. And because the forest was quite dense, it it seemed darker faster. And we were like, oh, if we can just cut up through the bush this way, it'll take us straight back up to the road. So then we start going, okay, okay. (laughs) We'll follow you. I've got my red vest on. Okay, let's go. Uh, And so we were walking up and we were walking for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes getting real dark now i mean we're in canada in summer so while it wasn't that cold there were bears (laughs) and so we'd cutting across it was just getting denser and denser and denser and it was getting darker and darker and we didn't have a torch so we had no (laughs) (laughs) we had no torch and then it got to a point where it was pretty much completely pitch black well i remember it was like just before the sun went down i started to be like "Mm, we need to do something different now and there was a huge log do you remember this there was that huge log and we were like let's try and climb up because he kept talking about a ridge line yeah if we get to that then we'll be able to make our way up but i was like let's climb up on this big log and see if we can see anything no couldn't see it 
couldn't no. see a bloody thing at all. No. So I think that's when we decided that we needed to stop. Yeah. And if we kept walking, it was just not going to help. Yeah, because there's that thing, like, are we working further in? Because we had no away. idea which way exactly. we were really going. And then you had 5% on your phone. So yep. it was kind of fun being like, what do we have to work? And he didn't have a phone on him he either. He left his phone in the car. So what do we have that we can work with? Like, we need to stop where we are and yeah. reassess. So, and I mean, it was getting cooler. Like, yeah. we weren't in, like, I don't think we had jumpers or anything. I think we just had shirts Long and pants, pants I reckon, on. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, although it was summer in Canada, it was still, it still gets still cold. It down. Yeah. yeah. So, I, the thing that I, when did we decide to call for help? Well, I think when we couldn't see anything from the top of that log, that's yeah. when I was like, how would you feel about calling search and rescue? Yeah. But he was all embarrassed yeah. about doing it because he's he a was local. local. Totally. Which I get, but it's totally. like, how much do we want to be out here all night walking around in circles? No. Like, are we going to try and sleep out here? No. Like, what are we... <laughs> yeah. So I remember, like, the temperature is dropping. We sat... So we called for help. You had 5% yeah. battery. We called for help and they were kind of like, where are you and what? Did you make the phone call? I no, he would No, he called. He called. Yeah, and he sort of described where, where we, we were. Yeah, yeah. And so then they kind of knew where we were. They knew we didn't have much of reception left, so yeah. we just sat down and waited. Yeah. But when we did that, we sat in. Kind of reminds me of that. Um, we stood up for ages. We stood just like huddled together. Huddled together. But ages. then we sat down like a train. Yeah. And, and we then- got ferns. Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. We like broke ferns off and like put Made them around the sides of us to keep us warm. Yeah, we got all the debris like around us yeah. and laid it on top to make like a blanket. And we sat, I think like a, um, it's like a human centipede is yeah. what I kind of remember, but sat like a chain. So one person at each other's kind of like lap almost. Yeah. And then the, do you remember the person in the front would have to yell cooey? Yeah. And then we would rotate, rotate in the yeah. chain. So you would get different warmth because the person you know, yeah. in the middle was the warmest. And so every like kind of half, every 30 seconds kind of thing, person would have to be like, cooey! Yeah. Like really loud. And then we, no, we would take turns. So, so yeah, you would yell cooey and then I would yell cooey. Yeah. And so we did that so long. for hours. Yeah. Well, even at least a good hour. I think it was two hours that we were there before we heard anyone else. And just kind of telling stories and just trying to remain calm, well, I guess. do you remember? Maybe. I was like, because his name is Brett. And I was like, so Brett, do you have any brothers or sisters? And he was like, oh, are we doing this? I was like, we're doing this. <laughs> Like, we didn't really know this guy very well. He'd played... He was a guitarist, and he'd played at the coffee shop I worked at. Great guitarist, Brett Wilderman, if you want to Yeah, if you want to look him up. He's awesome. Great guy. Um, Yeah, so we'd only met him there, and then, You'd met him where you worked, which was in the laundromat in Jasper. It's laundromat slash coffee shop. Sorry, you you did the coffee (laughs) in the laundromat. And then he... You probably, what, an hour or two? Yeah. You'd known him, and then we kind of rocked up in the town that he lived. And he was, and we'd spent, we'd gone and had dinner with him the night before. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. And then that next day, he said, "Oh, let's go out." Yeah. yeah. So really, yeah, small amount of time that we knew this man, which is fine, but very, very friendly, great Canadians. Yeah. Got good vibes off him straight away. Totally. We weren't worried that we we're in the middle of the woods with this strange like man. murderer. No, <laughs> yeah. not at all. So we were taking turns yelling "cooey," and then there was this point of where it was like. <gasps> 
Did you hear that? Yeah. Somebody else had yelled cooey back. Yeah. We'd heard like a sound. Yeah. And then I remember over the next, say, 15, kind of 20 minutes, it sounded like it was getting closer and yeah. closer. So we were just like cooeying back to each other, but we were still stationary. Yeah. And then it got quite close and we were like, okay. And then it started getting quieter yeah. and it started disappearing again. And you could then hear over the next like half an hour that they'd moved away from us. Yeah. And it was kind like of like... it went down the valley more. Yeah, like disheartening. Yeah. Like, oh no. Oh dear. Anyway, so we just kept going. And I mean, there's not much at this point that we can kind of do anyway. No. And then about an hour later, it started getting louder again. You could hear the cooey like coming further back. over to the left of us there. And I mean, during yeah. this time as well, yeah, we're playing get to know you questions, but yeah. also we're like high alert for bears. So yeah, you exactly. notice if there are any twigs kind of breaking oh. that, because what we have no form of we defense. We had bear spray. We had bear spray. We had bit So we had 5% on our phone battery, but we had bear spray. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember that like Brett was sitting there with the bear spray and anytime we'd hear a yes. noise, he'd like turn around real quick and yes. point the bear spray like just in case. Isn't that <laughs> So then they basically then out of the bushes came this kind of light on this guy um, and this team of people. And we were like, oh, thank you so much. And they kind of brought for us like eye protection gear and maybe blankets. I blacked out at this point. I don't remember. (laughs) I remember the two people emerging from the bush and I don't remember anything. Do you remember getting out? What I remember is like. I remember we had eye protection on because you're walking through this thick scrub yeah so we had eye protection on and i thought that maybe they'd given us torches or something or we were just following them so closely and we had to like crawl underneath a fence or something or crawl up on top of this over over trees and logs and through yeah it was like dense stuff and then we met the other team that was looking for us as well that's when i like that's what i can piece together but i think that what my brain did was like Someone is now saving us. I don't need to be on high alert anymore. Sure. And yeah, I really can't huh. remember much of that. Yeah, I remember getting out on the other side. We still had this giant bag of chanterelle mushrooms. Because oh, yeah. we'd found heaps of them, which was glorious. That's right. And there was a truck there that yeah, they had Yeah, it was like all... the full setup. Oh, absolutely. But when we had spoken to them later, they said that they were actually practicing that night yeah. anyway. So we just got to put it into action for them. But um, you're welcome. They were doing a practice scenario of people yeah. who got lost picking mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we literally played That's out manifesting the, the for exact you. scenario. <laughs> and so we ended up giving them all of the mushrooms. Do you remember the muffins that they gave us? We yeah. went inside the truck and they gave us the muffins. Yeah, because it was like we were little victims <laughs> yeah. of, like, yeah. yeah. And then I... Do you remember just, like, we driving it- home and then going back to the hostel and getting back into bed yeah. and then just being like, what just happened? It was before midnight. Wait, yeah. Do you remember that? I was like, and we're home before midnight. <laughs> it was like the weird version of Cinderella. Yeah. <laughs> so strange yeah and i guess upon that reflection like the red vest was yeah we went out there and just had fun and we made it all work like we were yeah. fine oh the other thing you had was a whistle on your bag so oh, we would blow right. that as well yeah. like we made it work with what we had but i guess it's that experiential learning like you said before of like each time i would have learned that okay well what are the minimal things that we mm-hmm. could take that would just you know not to be like doomsday worst case scenario but, but like mini prepared yeah. It's like when you get students to take a head torch when you're going out mountain biking for the day and they're like, wow, I need to bring this. Just in case. Yeah. Just in case. 
Like, just empower yourself. You're putting yourself in a situation that is yeah. a little more dangerous. You are a little bit more vulnerable. Mm. But, I mean, people aren't used to that. Because, like I say, you come home into a house and you mm. turn the light on and it's fine. There's food in the fridge. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We're not used to having to look for food. We're not used to having or, to search for water. Even that other time, remember when we got flooded in at... Um, Beachmont. At Beachmont. And so, we were in a small kind of old school like house. house. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, we got flooded in because it had been bucketing down rain. And then it was so interesting to see the way that everyone coped with the there situation. There were six or seven of us? Yeah, like one guy got cabin fever and was trying to like get into the shed and build things and see what was in there. And then, but um, Laura started dividing all of the food up for if we, like she was like rationing out the food. Within like the first half an yeah. hour. This was also around the red vest time. So Tegan was like, what? It's fine. Like, we'll just eat what That's we need so to true. eat. Do you remember that? Yeah. You were like, it'll be fine. But Laura's like, no, I've been in these situations and we need to ration the food. Yeah. It's just so interesting. Like, and then she started collecting water. So much water. She turned off the automatic pump for the toilet and she started collecting water. Yeah, because she like, was all like, all of the buckets out that she could find. She went into, like, ultra mode. Yeah. Which is, stations. you do need someone like that in that situation. Like, it is interesting how everyone well, plays their role. Yeah, it's, like, based on how much experience you have, which yeah. I think also relates to the gear that you bring, is, like... I mean, we were not trapped had... in there. We got we could have left that evening. No, we were trapped. For one day. Yeah. One, yeah. It only turned out to be a day. <laughs> we had enough food. Thinking we were trapped. <laughs> we were so trapped. All by ourselves. There weren't any, any neighbours or fruit on the trees. It was a holiday home area. <laughs> You can't guarantee that other people are home. <laughs> yeah. But I think that that's probably like if you're a newbie going out into mm. the outdoor world to experience things, it's good to like have chats with people and, and hear about other people's experiences or it's good to bring someone with you who's done mm. it before. Just Tag to along be with able other to, people. Yeah, to be able to get that knowledge from them so that you're not... Like you can experience this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You can experience it yourself and try and find your way out. But it's also like you can learn so much from going with other people and seeing how they manage situations rather than like mm. letting it go to the extreme of misadventure. And also tell people like when you don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, like why can't I wear cotton? Yeah, why can't like, I wear this red vest? <laughs> yeah, what is wrong with this red vest? Like yeah. I d- it doesn't. So I d- you can make different choices. For but your you next know, when adventure. it's like it's made of cotton, which means it'll absorb all the water mm. and it'll stay really heavy, and it's not going to keep you warm like merino wool will. Because even when it's wet, it actually still allows you to keep the heat on your body. Yeah. So that's kind of what you're looking out for. You know what I don't understand, and I would love anyone to call in if they yeah. do, if they do have the answer to this. Why do army clothes, why are they made out of the material they're made out of? Like still that old school, heavy, durable. It's like they're wearing full body jeans. Yeah. Because to me. Heavy boots. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Is it still like that though? It is. Okay. I guess the cadets, you know, when you see kids walking around wearing that. I don't understand. Someone please. Maybe it makes you tough. Someone please let me know why. Because I just don't understand. Maybe, but it seems silly if, because it's not the most functional. Like, so I guys, guess just go down durable? to Kathmandu and just like pick up some like lightweight stuff. It's probably more durable. You could get yeah. the bare grills pants that's got like double layer over the knees. Okay. But like, I imagine if you're crawling through the wilderness, yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, fair enough. I'd love an answer. So, I kind of guess, guess the takeaway from this is like, 
you know, go go in with your red vest. Don't be afraid of having yep. your red vest moments. Don't be moments. afraid of the rest of it, red vest. That's really hard. Don't <laughs> red be vest. afraid of the red vest moments. <laughs> because they are what they are what also bonds people. Mm-hmm. They are a part of your learning curve, mm-hmm. and also it's kind of it's humbling because you'll see other people have their red vest moments That's too. Right. And, and when you do, you can chuckle and be like, you know what? I once did this a part of my learning curve. Happy red vest day. Happy <laughs> red vest day. Yeah. So. Um, but also, that's one part. And the other part is take the opportunities to ask people questions mm. and to yep. have the experiences when they come up with someone who's got the experience. Yeah. So if someone says, hey, do you want to come paddling? It's something that I enjoy doing and I know a lot about it. Go along with them. Yeah. So you can and then suck ask, their knowledge. Have you ever had experience, you know, when people try to transfer their knowledge to you and you just get information overload? Yeah. So if I'm a newbie at something and you tell me all the things I need to bring, I'm just like, I stopped in about three things in. Mm. So even just kind of acknowledging, like, I don't understand what what language you're using or I yeah. don't understand. Or also, like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Like, can we break this down? Or, mm-hmm. or can I ask you questions mm-hmm. when I have them? Like, And if you're the person who is explaining stuff to people, explain why. Like, mm. if I'm saying... Get this type of sleeping bag and get this compression sack to go around it. Yeah, like this what's a compression why. sack? Yeah, like talk through the whys. I think that's really important. Because the more people who are out adventuring, the better. Yes. But it's good to empower them with the knowledge as well. Yeah. Mm. And also to get crafty. Like if you don't have a compression sack, be like, well, if the why behind it is mm-hmm. that you want to suck out all the air from it so you can make it as small as possible and you can put it in your pack and make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Um. Like, okay, well, I don't have a compression sack. What else could I use? You could use a plastic bag. Yeah. and Not like that just... we condone using plastic. Plastic oh, is that's true. <laughs> Disclosure. You know, like, what else could do the same thing? Mm. Like, get creative with it. Yeah. Well, I, as an example, yeah. I even had a presentation the other day. I was talking about how good those dry bags are that you can get, like, all the different sizes of them. And then that way you've, like, compartmentalised everything in your pack so you're not unpacking the whole thing. And one of the teachers said, like, oh, like, dry bags, yep, they're they're the golden nugget, like, they're awesome. But if you don't want to spend all the money, get um, Ziploc bags. Again, plastic, don't condone using plastic. but Reuse them. Reuse them. Yeah, and then you can put your socks in one, your undies in the other. Mm. Like, and it, yeah, it's another method. You don't have to have the fan dangled fancy gear. Totally, there's ways to get around it. And do it in a way that you like as well. Mm. Like sometimes I just want to be like, I want to wear the red vest because that's just what I want to do, and yeah. I'm willing to deal with the repercussions of it. Exactly. You know, if you want to put your socks and jocks in different little bags, like you do that. If you want to be the person who throws it all in one bag, like do that. Do that. But just allow it to be a learning curve yeah are we giving people mixed messages are we well i just i want it to be a safe place where you try what you want (laughs) yeah that's right more than anything and just know that there's options yeah and you only there's only one way to find out and that's through learning and i'm not going to judge your learning curve but just be open to asking questions and yeah Mm. I'm wearing the red vest now and again and high-fiving someone else who you see wearing a red vest and being like thank you for turning up would you like some advice? <laughs> yes. <laughs> From my learnings, I've had that. And know that, like, everybody's learning. Mm. So, like, even in one, if they nailed the outdoor thing, they'll still be learning in a different Something category. Else. They're so. still trying to put their money into the stock market. <laughs> exactly. 
So buy them a copy of the Barefoot Investor. Yeah. You know? But the waterproof version. The water so they can take it with them. Don't take a book camping with you. Put it in a dry bag. Put it in a dry bag. Double bag it. Why wouldn't you take a book camping with you? This is very heavy. That's true. I mean, if you're hiking. Kindle. Or it could get damaged with water. But sometimes I've taken... See, that's the whole thing. Sometimes I've still taken... Take a mini book. Books with me. Pull out one chapter that you're reading. (laughs) Oh yeah, as you read it, as you go and, and then you, you use this toilet like paper. Wild. Oh yeah, use this toilet paper. Yeah. that too. You do you, boo. Yep. You do you. <laughs> you slipped bo- it in there. <laughs> your body, your choice, yeah, I say. That's true. If you want to read the red vest, you wear the red you vest. You wear the red vest and you read that book if you want to read that book. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So tune in next week for what books are we currently reading? What are we hiking with? What one kilo books are what we hiking books are with? are we hiking with? And reading and then using as toilet paper. That's right. Anyway, so thanks for listening, guys. Thanks I hope for that, joining us. Yeah, it's nice just to hear other people's stories around these things. And I'm definitely no expert, but, you know, <laughs> I acknowledge that I've come a really long way and I'm really yep. proud of myself. And then right. when I see other people starting from scratch, it's it's a fun process to pass on any knowledge that I might have learnt to them yeah. as well. And still Do you know learning. what, actually? Like, Henry's story from... The other week about whitewater paddling. You're He's... so good at dropping all the other podcasts I know, I'm in. So good. Henry you're, Friend. You're yes. all welcome. Um, <laughs> it's because I told you I'm a long-time listener. He, his story is great on the fact of um, yeah, starting from scratch and not knowing what he's doing mm. and now being a whitewater guide. Yeah, a few so years you can get later. There. Like it's, not, it's, just a, it's just a path that you have to walk. And go on that journey to discover your new skills. Yeah. And I love that, especially in the outdoor industry, you don't need to go get a uni degree. I mean, you got a uni Hang degree. Hang on a minute. Yes, <laughs> you got one. You paid a bit of money for it. What did you that's do? A, that's a, that's you a, did your you leisure. You do need to go and get it. No, you don't. A lot of places will ask you to have a cert for in outdoor rec. Oh, no, but I meant doing your own adventures. Oh, your own adventures. So no, not no, being no, an no. instructor. Sorry. But... <laughs> yeah. It's a trigger point. <laughs> these hooligans coming into the industry <laughs> yeah but this anyway, idea of like another... if you're going on your own adventures yes you can just learn from yeah. other people and then get skilled up and then actually if you do want to work, maybe that's how you discover that you want to work in the industry yeah because you i just thought of our sailing adventure we could have talked about too maybe oh, we should make a whole podcast more. out of yeah. that of the kind of look things we've done you look back and you're like that was a little bit silly powerful sailing outdoors in nature a put Pastoin. It's like pastrami. Pastrami. Anyways, conversation's getting lulled. Join, join <laughs> us next week. Sure. Yeah, so I mean, I hope you've enjoyed these kind of conversations in between the powerful stories that other people have shared with you. Um, and I hope you've taken away something. And if you have anything to share, just let us know. You can always write a fun comment or write to us on Instagram or Facebook, just at Journey Outdoors in Nature. So Thanks for then. listening. Thanks, guys. Bye.